To understand someone effectively, you have to listen on two levels. You listen to what they are saying to you, and you must listen at the heart level. I want to talk about communication in today's podcast, and the title of this podcast is A Good Listener Listens on Two Levels. We're talking about communication here. This is one of the most common issues that brings people to counseling. They're having a communication problem. It can and almost always works out into other issues, and the other issues are more complicated because they're at a deeper level, and that's why when you listen to someone, you want to listen on two levels. You don't want to help people just on the communication side, external side, the behavioral side, the things that they're saying to you. The fruit reveals the root, as we like to say often in counseling, and it's very much true in communication, and so the fruit are the words that are coming to you as a discipler, and as you're listening to those fruit-slash-words, you want to have a way of interpreting and labeling and discerning and perceiving seeing what is not being said. We're talking about communication, talking about listening at two levels. Thank you for uh, so much for joining me for the podcast today. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, the podcast where we put our articles in audio format so you can listen on the run. You can listen while you're vacuuming, riding a bike, driving your car, going to work. You can listen as a family, listen alone, and you can also share these podcasts and articles. Please do that. Someone once asked, is it okay to share your articles? Absolutely. As I like to say, please share our articles with 1,000 of your closest friends. Put them all over Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, stumble upon whatever social media platform that you enjoy and that you use. We want our resources to be shared broadly, and so these podcasts, these articles are here for you personally, but they are also for your friends. If you love your friends, you will share our resources with them, and so do that. And then for extra credit, if you would go to the podcast platform that you're listening to right now, whatever it may be, Pod, Podbean, Stitcher, tuned in, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever it is that you listen to. We have a half a dozen platforms. We're all over the place. But if you would write a review, that would be fantastic. Say, man, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I want you to listen to these practical podcasts, and that would help. That would help us to reach more people. That's just how it works in the field of technology. Also, you may know by now that I have a new book out called Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. I deal with communication in this book. There are three chapters toward the end of the book on communication. It is a handbook, and so you can dive into this book at any juncture. If you want to learn more about communication, you can go to those three chapters. You can read it from beginning to end, or again, you can dive in at any point. But this book is excellent on the transformation, repentance, 
change, those are synonyms, process. And so if you want to know how to change or if you want to help another person change, let me appeal to you to go to Amazon. You know where Amazon is and get this book and they will send it right to you. They'll drop it right in your mailbox and you can have it quickly and easily. Go to Amazon, type the words, change me, Rick Thomas, those four words and you should be able to find it on the first page. Click on it and then let others know. Have everybody in your small group get this book and y'all go through it as a small group for a year or however long it takes. It will be a fantastic handbook for you, for your marriage, for your family with children, for your small group, local church, discipleship context, and all you biblical counselors out there, you get it too and use it. Give it out as homework assignments. It will be fantastic. It will be a good come-alongside aid to help you as you do soul care. Let's talk about communication. If you want to understand someone effectively, you do have to listen on two levels. Now, there's two reasons you want to do this. One, you want the person who is talking to you to experience your care through active listening. They need to see, know, feel. They need to be convinced that you are hearing them. You don't want to be that person who's sitting back formulating your own thoughts, and as they listen to you, they know what you're doing. You're not listening. You're just loading your gospel gun, ready to come back at them. No, lean forward. Look into their eyes. Let them know that you are listening to them. It's physical. It's behavioral. It's reassuring. It draws them out. It wants them. It motivates them to communicate more. That's one reason you listen on two levels. But then number two, and it is just as important, you want to help the person by listening beyond what they are saying. You want to hear their presuppositions, their motives, their intentions, their desires, their passions, their cravings, their thoughts. You have to go down below. You hope to discern what the Lord knows about them. You want to perceive what the Lord understands, which is why they come to you for advice in the first place. God knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Well, we're not omniscient. We can't know these things. But because of the Spirit of God that works in us, because of our knowledge of God's Word, because of us exercising these things over a period of months and years, we're able to get down into the heart and discern. The people that you have not only want you to tell them what they do not know, but they want you to give them a scripted and practical plan that will lead them through their situational difficulties. Their desire means you must think more deeply you must think more broadly than what the person who is talking to you is doing on the external behavioral word level. You must know more about their problem than they do because they will never be able to tell you all about their problems. I've never had a person in 
decades of counseling individuals and couples now to come to me and tell me exactly what is going on in their lives. They tell me the surface issues. They tell me about the fight they had last night. They tell me about the externalities, the behavioral problems, but they they can't tell me about the hidden idolatries of the heart, those uh, subtle motivations and the nuance, the contours of their souls. They need for you to do that, and you have to listen at that level. I suppose if they could tell you about all the intricacies of the issues at hand, they would not need your advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. And if someone comes to you as a, a person of care, a soul care provider, a counselor, a discipler, you want to provide that safety. You want to bring them to a safe place. When they come to you, they will tell you what has been going on in their world. The individual is seeking help for what has been happening in their day-to-day lives. The behaviors and drama they lay out for you are always secondary. They're always symptomatic of the fundamental and foundational problems of their lives. Now, this perspective is hugely important for us as disciples to understand. We want to be useful friends to our friends and To be this kind of friend, we must learn how to listen on two levels. Now, I want to illustrate this by talking about what I have labeled symptomatic arguing. Now, I need some help for this illustration, and so I'm going to call my good friends Biff and Mabel up. Biff and Mabel are always good good and always available for an illustration. And so Mabel had married Biff seven years ago. Their marriage has been in the toilet for most of those years. Biff is a passive husband, surprise. And Mabel expects Biff to be a different type of husband, more surprise. As you might imagine from this brief descriptor, their marriage is bound for hard times. In fact, their marriage is in hard times. Mabel is opinionated and generally views herself as right. And Biff does not know how to lead her. Now, because of these issues, he takes a passive role in the marriage. Now, let me give a little caveat slash footnote right here. I am not saying that this is all Mabel's problems. Now, the reason I'm caveating you at this point is because (laughs) there are quite a few people who read our resources, and they have a ready, fire, aim worldview, and without thinking deeply or broadly or comprehensively about what is being said, they upload it with their experience, and they shoot at me, and one of the things that they would say, because of what I just said, that Mabel is opinionated and generally views herself as right, and Biff does not how to lead, doesn't know how to lead her, well, they will say, oh, you're just saying it's all Mabel's fault. No, I'm not. Don't even go there. Biff acts out his anger through silence, and she acts out her frustration by speaking her mind. Listen to this. It's two people with the same sin pattern, only acted out differently. His anger is silence, the silent treatment. That goes along with his laziness and his passivity. She acts out her frustrations by speaking her mind. That goes with her self-righteousness and arrogance and opinionation. Both of them are angry. Both of them feel justified in their sin, and shazam, they end up in counseling. Now, when they came to counseling, Mabel did most of the talking. That goes along with her personality. personality. 
What she did would be better described as venting. Mabel gave me a long list of how Biff has failed as a husband. Now, Mabel was mostly right. Her points weren't arguable. Occasionally, Biff would chime in to let me know how Mabel has been a self-righteous nag. Well, he was right, too. It's interesting how both of them can be right and be so divided. At the end of our time together, I had a clear picture of Biff's badness, according to Mabel. I also had a clear view of Mabel's badness, according to Biff. There was no question they could clearly articulate the other person's sin. Do you have a sindar, like a radar, a sindar, where you can lay it out, send it out, and identify, zero in on on the other person's sin? Well, Biff and Mabel had a sindar, and unfortunately, they did not turn it on themselves. They only used it to identify and isolate the sin in the other person's life. They told me story after story after story after story ad nausea. As they were talking, I was actively and intentionally listening to them. I wanted to understand what they were saying clearly. Interestingly, what they did not realize was how I was listening to them and on what level I was interpreting their words. I was actively hearing what they were saying, and I was also discerning what they were not communicating, which is what I mean by listening or two-level listening. If I only listened to what they were saying on the behavioral level, I, I would have been as lost and hopeless as they were. I would have become a referee or a negotiator. You don't want your counseling or your discipleship or soul care to be that. You're not to be a referee or a negotiator trying to figure out how two people could tell the same story so differently. Sorting out their truth claims would be like a dog chasing his tail, which would not serve them or me. If I could find the truth in their competing stories, it would mean one was right and the other was wrong. That is not the place for either one of them to be. Unless being right was all that mattered. In fact, I have an article linked inside this article talking about competitive communication where winning is all that matters. And sometimes winning is all some couples care about accomplishing. They have a short-sighted vision of marriage. If winning an argument is all that matters, the relationship is destined for continual dysfunction and possible divorce. It's like two beggars squabbling over the seven cents they found on the sidewalk. They cannot agree on who gets four and who gets three. It may remind you of two children dividing dividing up ice cream. Both of them are selfish and self-seeking. Neither one has a higher vision than the seven pennies that are before them. Biff and Mabel were not seeking God. They were seeking self-vindication because they were legitimately hurt. You don't want to bypass or overlook or minimize this. They both were legitimately hurt. And they saw themselves deserving something more than 
what they were receiving from each other. Now, this problem happens with any married couple who forgets the gospel. Ignoring the reality that we deserve hell is, a para- is perilous for the mind and the marriage, the relationship. Mabel and Biff have forgotten where God found them. It's like spoiled rich kids who have everything they could ever need, but they still want more. While they were venting, I was thinking about a more gospel-centered worldview, hoping I could bring the gospel to fruition in their hearts. I was thinking beyond sorting out their stories. You don't want to get lost in their stories. You don't want to go into those weeds or into that black hole because their stories were symptomatic, not causal. While I wanted them to know that I was hearing them, yes, I am hearing Yes, I am listening to you, but please understand I was more interested in helping them practically. The main thing their stories told me was their lack of trust in God. They were believers who functioned as atheists, functional atheism, practical atheism. Their frustration and fear was a clear testimony of how God was not controlling their hearts in their situational difficulties. Connect that dot, please. Frustration and fear does not equal God is controlling you at this moment. Therefore, their frustration and their fear communicated on a practical level that they were not trusting God, so they may have been regenerated, born from above, truly saved, going to heaven, a child or children of the king, but on a practical level, frustration and fear characterized them. Therefore, that's why I use the term of functional atheism. Mabel was angry at Biff, and he was mad at her. In James, we know the core of this, we know the core of this kind of problem. James says the angry person is that way because he's not getting what he wants. This is James 4. You know the text well, verses 1, 2, and 3. This problem makes him an idolater, which is why Biff uses anger, albeit the silent treatment, as a means to get his desires satisfied. He's not getting what he wants, and so he uses anger as a manipulative tactic to get what he wants. What he wants is idolatry because he doesn't want what God wants. Biff and Mabel were choosing godless means to satisfy their cravings. Therefore, they vented story after story to get me on each other's side, to get me to see it the right way. I put the right way in quotation marks. They assumed by telling me how wrong the other person was, I would be convinced one was right and the other was wrong. Their posturing revealed more about their hearts than their rightness. Please understand what I'm saying here. Their posturing revealed more about their hearts. And that's why you want to discern at two levels. If you, if you don't have the biblical discernment to understand a person at the heart level, you will go off into those weeds, those word weeds, depend, and depending on which one tells the better story, that's going to be the direction that you go. But it doesn't matter which direction you go if that is your approach to problem-solving, because you'll be lost either way. Their hearts, on the other hand, revealed bitterness, anger, fear, revenge, and a lack of trust in God. 
they would probably be surprised to know these things, at least initially. They don't know, excuse me, they don't know what I'm, or how I'm listening and the kind of labels that I'm attaching to their words. If, if they could perceive what I was thinking in real time as they were saying what all the things that they were saying, they would probably be shocked. Now, this predicament is where the counselor must be careful. You don't want to have a, a ready-fire-aim approach. You want to put them bullets in your gospel gun and just shoot them because they don't have this perspective, this worldview, and it could hurt them. You want to be very careful. People who are sinfully venting about how bad someone has treated them are not ready to see their sinful hearts. Now, this is a puzzle. This puzzle is the dilemma of what I call the sinful victim, and that is a problem for sure. Typically, we are all guilty to some degree in our relationships. Think about any relationship that you want to think about. You are guilty to some degree because you're not a perfect person. Now, while I could not change either one of them, I hoped to care for them so they could improve, beginning in their hearts. This desire is one of the reasons I wanted to listen to their stories externally, behaviorally. I tried to empathize. I wanted to hear. I wanted to understand. I wanted them to know, I do hear you, and I'm not, I'm not going to negate your story. I'm not going to push it aside and say your story, these words that you're giving me, that they don't matter. But the primary goal was to be clear in what they were saying while knowing how I would not be serving either one of them if I did not bring gospel clarity to everything at both levels. This listening and responding needs courage from you, the discipler. Too often is one of the missing pieces in the discipleship process. A person will listen to the stories and empathize, but not move the person any closer to the Savior by rooting out the heart idolatries. Now, some people can be too impetuous. It can be too impatient, and they can move too quickly and be too harsh and too unkind. That's one ditch. And then the other ditch is a fearful ditch that doesn't have courage to where you just listen, you just commiserate, but you don't move them to where they need to go. The hurting person in that instance may feel heard, but you will not help them because you do not address their role in the demise of the relationship. Sometimes the sinning victim will say, you did help, you did help them because you merely listened. Well, that's not true. I mean, they are correct to a degree. But if all they wanted was a listening ear, they have short-changed themselves on all God could do in their lives. Each situational difficulty is an opportunity to change and grow. The careful discipler wants to listen and respond to both levels of a person's life. Now, in this article, if you do have time to read it, I have an infographic. Again, the title of the article is A Good Listener Listens on two levels. And if you go to this article, well, there's a short video as well that I would love for you to watch. There are embedded links that would be great for you to do a deeper dive into this idea of communication. And then I have this infographic here that the infographic here describes how to discern at two levels. This graphic that I have is a rendition, is a rendition from a counseling situation that I had some time ago. I sat and listened to a friend tell me several stories about what was wrong in his marriage. I did not refute anything he said. As far as I was concerned, he was telling the truth. His wife had done some horrible things to him, and she was proceeding to drag his name, the church's name, God's name, through the mud. 
But as I was listening to him, I was asking the Lord how I could really help him. I was not only, he was not only telling me what was wrong in his marriage, but he was venting too. I continued to ask him questions, not to learn more information about his relationship with his wife, but to discern the theological breakdown in his heart. That's where I wanted to go ultimately. That is the lower level listening that I'm talking about, the theological breakdown in his heart. And the more my friend talked, the more I was learning the real person who was inside of him. His words allowed me to attach biblical labels to the things he was saying. And you can see this in the graphic. It was clear by his attitude, by his words, by his venting, by his stories, by his frustration, how he was not under the control of the Lord. The primary things he was saying from his heart were along the lines of anger, fear, and unbelief. Of all the words, all the stories, all the frustration, all the venting that he was sharing, if you were to label those things, give those things biblical labels, take all of his words, a word cloud, so to speak, and move that cloud into the Bible and give it biblical categories, there would be three categories that would come up easily, quickly in your mind. One is anger, two is fear, three is unbelief. His stories told me that he was not getting what he wanted and he was frustrated, code word anger, about it. James called this the war within. Warfare was happening on the inside and it was incumbent upon me to draw attention to it. To merely listen at a surface level would not help my friend. It would not be transformative. It would not be redemptive at all. And so I began to address his heart, specifically the anger. And the reason I tied fear to this is because sinful anger always associates itself with fear. Quote, I'm afraid I'm not going to get my way in this marriage, so I'm angry about it, end quote. That's Biff's heart. That's also Mabel's heart. Anger is a manipulative tactic of the fearful person to regain control of his life or to get his way. This perspective is another way of saying my friend was not trusting God. He was functioning in unbelief. And that is why I had those three primary categories. Anger, that was the obvious thing that was coming out. But because I'm discerning at a lower level, I know that anger always associates itself with fear. I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I want. Therefore, if you are angry and you are afraid, you're not being controlled by God. Hence, the third category is unbelief. Biff's functional God was his wife. Mabel is his little G-O-D. She had full control of him. Whenever you become sinfully angry at another person, the person you are mad at owns you. They control you because they have something you want. Mabel was not giving Biff what he craved, and he was mad about it. He had an, he had an uncooperating God, little G-O-D, on his hands, and he was venting through silent treatment mostly. If Biff rested in the Lord alone, he would not be venting. 
the drama would be different. He would be trusting. Here's the key idea for solution purposes. God is greater than your troubles. Even the way he shared, going back to my friend with the infographic, even the way he shared his story would be markedly different if if God were genuinely ruling his heart. Whoever or whatever rules you will control the words you choose to describe your life. He was not acting like a man under the control of God Almighty. His word choices, external behavioral top level, were making it clear that he was a functional, practical atheist, lower bottom level of the heart. Here are some keys for him. God has promised to take care of us, too. He has assured us how no person is more significant than him, three. He said he would complete in us what he began in us, Philippians 1.6. Four, he appealed to us not to worry about what people can do to us, but to trust him. Five, he has given us the promise of victory, and he has appealed to us not to fear or doubt his active goodness in our lives. Six, We have ultimate victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. My appeal to you is to listen to what people are saying to you, the drama in their life, the words they are using. But lend your ear to how they share their stories and what they are saying about their real selves and their God so you can reorient their minds to the story that he is writing in their lives. You want to empathize with them, but your primary goal is to lead them to functional heart change. The podcast is a good listener listens at two levels. God bless. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.